All right. I wanted to touch back uh, uh, just real quick. Let me get this going here. Um, my iPad. I just want to get back to question six. I kind of rushed through and, and wanted to touch base because there are a couple other points that I wanted to get on. So, again, we're, this is uh, Titus Lesson 2 and Question 6. And the question was, why do you think it's important to have qualified leaders over the affairs of the local church? Uh, we talked about uh, what Titus's role was to appoint uh, elders in the church. We got into also the importance of plurality. And, uh, again, I can't understate uh, that, how important it is to have plurality, not just one leader, but a plurality of elders. And uh, we, we touched on that a lot and get back a little bit later on, on, on that too. Um, but I also want to get, get on, well, we also touched on, uh, you know, central authorities. Is there, uh, in scripture where it says we're to have a central, central authority like the Catholic Church or, uh, a Baptist church or anything, we basically decided there wasn't in Scripture any place that said there should be one. And I think that's really important is we touched a little bit. I think Margaret touched on it. You know, it's like the uh, Methodist church is kind of going off the rails, well, in many ways, but they're they're splitting, they're having issues. Uh, they're, you know, denominations, there's different Baptists that go, there's conservative ones, there's less conservative, there's all this, and and having central authorities that confuse the issue, and it was never meant to be. And so um, when we see Titus coming and setting this up, what was, what was, why was it important to have qualified leaders? I mean, it's semi-obvious with, with the, uh, you know, being qualified, but what, why is that to have qualified leaders? So I'll touch back on that with, you know, centralized boards and things like that. So why is it important? Qualified in the sense that, uh, qualified in the sense that they had to be, uh, doctrinally sound. They had to, um, uh, they had to be, le- they had to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think all of that. <laughs> oh, Ralph, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> They had to be, uh, uh, in order to, um, uh, and deal with the last issue, which was, uh, how do you deal with false doctrine? And so, I think the number one thing is that you have to have a leader to have organization to have, so that you don't have chaos. Right. And, and again, the qualifications, um, it, it wasn't like, you know, casting lots or, you know, for, the final apostle, we're going to cast lots, and, uh, oh, you got it. It wasn't that way. Or, or Titus just didn't go into town and say, well, I want that guy, this guy, you know, Bill, Fred, and uh, Steve. We're going to we're gonna pick those guys out, and you you guys are going to be the leaders here. It was not that way. And, and again, and how that translates to today is another thing. Um, so he didn't just arbitrarily go and pick them. He looked for certain categories, and, and – Mike, you're right in there, but there's there's also character. Character was an issue. He didn't want somebody who was uh, uh, a guy who had a known bad reputation or or you know the guy who was always picking fights. He had a, had a certain character. We see that we'll see that in the upcoming verses in six through nine. Also, they had to be convicted of the of the 
the uh, scriptures, what was taught, what was being taught. They had to have that. That's in verse uh, Titus 1, 9 also, which is <laughs> kind of an interesting one. And we'll see this in other areas where uh, Timothy were on, on qualifications for an elder. They got to have family control. And, you know, that's kind of an interesting. Why would that be? Why would you need family control? It's kind of a simple thing. Ingrid and I were talking about that. Why, why would you have that? Why is that an important characteristic? Nobody knows. Well, I think that, I mean, even in the first several verses, um, you know, we're getting that father-son relationship established in uh, verses one through four. Um, the family is 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 very much how God um, not only uh, organizes us individually as his creatures, but also he operates as a family in the triunity uh, as well. And so, order within the family is the the basic construct for which to lead a church as well. So there's a connection with how God ordained the family and the church to function similarly with regards to order. And that's right. I think it's kind of in simple, basic terms. If you can't control your family, can you control the, the, uh, the local body? I think in, in basic terms. You know, if you have a, you know, an uncontrolled family that's crazy and doing this, can you then be put in charge uh, of a local body? I think it's hard, not, not impossible. When you look at all the qualifications of an elder, it's overwhelming. Um, and I don't know if we meet, you know, elders meet every single qualification, but I think one of the important ones, and JD, that's, I think it's right. It's the structure of the local body is similar to the, the family. And and if you have control of the family and a well well uh, functioning family, you'll have much more of a well functioning body. And again, I think also goes back to what we were talking about last week was the plurality issue. I think you know you may not be you know all family men. You may be a single guy. You may be no kids, whatever. I think the plurality blends in that uh, you you have that. Uh, Kind of, kind of, everybody has different family dynamics, but when you blend it all together, you, you put that organization back. And, and if you have men of character, um, I think that's, that's key to, to blend it all together into a, a well-functioning, uh, body of elders. And I guess the last one and my kind of what, what you're, uh, talking about, I think you also need to have good communication skills. Apt to teach is, I think, in Timothy that they're apt to teach. Um, and that, again, comes back to uh, knowing the scriptures and being able to uh, convey those to the body. So I think those are some of the, some of the keys of, of why or what's in a qualified leader. Um, he also gets in verse 5. It says, for this reason I left you in Crete that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. So I guess, you know, we're, we're, he's, he's set there. He's supposed to put up the organization. He's, he's appointing elders of these qualified men. But what does it mean by what remains? That kind of was, was a confusing statement. I, what do the other scriptures say? 
or does that or translations? Anybody have anything else to set in order what remains? Mine says the things that are wanting. Things that are wanting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, wanting. That's a. So it set. What is wanting? I guess that would fit too. Um, the the New King James says uh, set in order the things that are lacking. Lacking. Yeah, wanting, lacking. Yeah. The, the yeah New American Standard had what remains, which is kind of different than yeah. than um, those trends. I think those translations are a little bit better actually, as far as what I think uh, Paul is writing here. The, I, the, 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 see, the Holman Christian Standard says uh, what what is left undone. Yeah. Good. Lacking, wanting, left undone. <laughs> what remains? I guess they're all they're all kind of in the same uh, same vein. I think yeah, lacking, wanting. Um, so the term "what remains" denotes yeah, lack or deficiency. And this was there were there were three things that the uh, the churches in Crete needed. They needed leaders. There and you see that in Titus one five. They also there was false te- teaching going on that was going unchecked. They had teaching and they, it was uh, incorrect teaching. That they needed to address, and you see that in Titus one ten through eleven, and also chapter three verses ten through eleven. And the third, their conduct was not appropriate for good good doctrine, and that's Titus two one and uh, three one and two. So they had they had issues uh, that they the what's remaining or lacking is that they're having uh, false teaching going on uh, that that nobody was correcting them for. And uh, they they also just didn't have leaders in the local church. So all these things is what Paul told Titus. You need to be in, you need to be in Crete, and you need to address these issues. So hey Courtney, uh, what is there something? That, hey Courtney, I just have it. You know, when I was reading this question, qualified leaders, I was thinking how important it is that the elder have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've, good, good point. I think without that, the qualified, you're not qualified. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, how can you lead a local body? You're well, not going to lead them, you're not going to lead them to the Lord if you don't have a relationship with the Lord yourself. Well, and if you're picked based on your qualifications of, say, organization or bus ministry or, you know, whatever, there's a yeah. bump right there. Yeah, and and you know I'll touch on that because I want to get back to what we were talking about last week too. Um, so, what's that? Oh, that's good. Do you have some mic? Um, no, not right now. Uh, so, so basically, um, it, you can understand uh, uh, why Paul's direction was to appoint leaders is because they didn't they had a whole bunch of stuff going on and they needed leaders so he also says and and don i'll get back to your point too is that he said in every city so the words in every city point to autonomy of the local church this is what we talked about last week is should there be central authorities and uh, there to be autonomous meaning self-directory self-directing each city was to have its own elder or elders there is no central authority so we touched on that and you don't have a central authority, so it's 
to every city and to have an autonomous leadership, it's critical that they have that qualified leaders. Otherwise, if you don't, if they don't have a relationship with the Lord and they're leading the body, how well is that going to go for the local autonomous body? It's not going to go well. So that's why you have to have qualified leaders autonomously leading individual bodies. If you don't, you don't have the uh, direction for that local body, it's going to be wavering all over. It's the same as if you have a central uh, uh, authority that has no touch or no ability to know the local body. How well are they going to lead if they don't know that? And, to Nana's point, if they're not a relationship with the Lord, then how how are they going to be leaders? And I, I want to get back to a point that, that we talked about last week that I didn't touch on. I know a lot of churches now, I, I've from friends and other, they have a central board. That, that governs the church. Is that the same thing as elders? No. No. So, so is there a qualifications for a board laid out in scripture? Well, uh, Courtney, I think there's a couple of things going on. <clears throat> One is, I don't think Paul envisioned mega churches with, with what we call or what they call uh, well, I'm in a small group, and which means there's a, you know, four to a dozen or maybe twenty people that get together once a week for Bible study. Well, that's really the core of what they're about in terms of Christianity. Who leads? Who makes decisions in that group? Do they go to the elders of a two thousand person church? And it's been my understanding from people I've talked to that. Once, once you form a, a small group, they leave you alone. So, oh, what, yeah, what yeah, goes on in a big church? Yeah, and yeah, so which they, uh, which the, is wrong. The ideal size of a church is a is a debatable subject, but I don't think I don't, I don't think you a church more than a couple of hundred people is is focused here. I think they're that at two hundred or smaller. I, I don't, you know, I guess I'll, I'll step back a little bit. I don't think it, scripturally we can prove that there is anything that says there can't be a megachurch. I think the thing is the difficulty of applying these principles gets more difficult as the numbers increase. What that, what that number is, if you have a, you know, an elder board or an elder group that is, you know, scripturally sound, who is focused on the Lord, has a relationship with the Lord, meets the qualifications. I don't think there's a limitation because remember, why, what, what, why do we have deacons? So that the elders can study and work on uh, what their job is. Right. But what was happening? There were, there were, the needs were getting so great that they needed to have deacons. So the local group or body was starting to get so much that the deacons were starting to help, you know, handle the, the, the logistics of the group, but the elders were there for teaching. So again, I think as a group, there, there isn't a set number. So if the group, the local body grows, I think you appoint deacons to handle the logistics and the kind of the mechanics of that, mm-hmm. but the elders then 
are left to teach. And if they're left to teach so that you don't have the small group off by itself, not, you know, not being, uh, led by the, the elders, you know, and, or, or verified or checked or making sure that they're doctrinally sound, then you have problems. But again, I think, I think that there is no set perfect church number. I think it's really predicated on the, uh, on the leadership and the structure with deacons and elders. So, I, I so, think well, that's you, you more take a, the issue. You take an island, island like Crete. The instructions are is to establish a church in every town. So there wasn't um, what we call church plants right. uh, around us. That every little church was autonomous, and God would make sure that he raised up elders and deacons in each one of those groups to to lead it like it should be. And so I think that uh uh, uh it, it doesn't say you shouldn't have mega churches but I think the structure shows that uh churches were local and small. Yeah, I I mean but we're you know in a city of Denver could you have a large church because of the, if it were in every city I, I, and I, I agree with you, Mike. I, th- I just think I don't know what the perfect number is. You could have a group of 500 people if you had a, a really sound elders group, deacons, good teaching, teaching that was led by the elders. Um, so I don't know what that number is. Let um, me, let me disagree with you. One of the things that we have at Holly Hills is pretty sound teaching. How come they're not lined up out the block? Well, I, they won't I endure so, uh, sound teaching. <laughs> well, I think that's, you know, I think I think that's the problem is, you know, the yeah. too many other mega churches that have, well, that have, you know, great music, great, you know, or charismatic leaders mm-hmm. that are drawn not to the scriptures, and and I I, I think that's a problem. I don't, you know, and we've talked about that before. Why isn't this, you know, a mega church of of a, you know, identification and that. Why? Why isn't it? Well, the, the Lord is. You know, God has chosen it this way to have Holly Hills a small body. Uh, you know, I know there are some others that are teaching scripturally sound, and they're larger than us. Um, so, you know, again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about too. You know, Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God is the one who causes growth. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's where. Um, you know, God in, in the individual cities will, you know, bring the growth in the size to individual bodies. If you have the structure, I think you can be a larger one, you know. And, and again, I think it's also up to us to be able to, um, you know, get the word out and, and bring people in to this teaching. So let me get this. Um you know, it's it's debatable. I guess I guess my point is there isn't a scripture that says there shouldn't be large or small. If you look at the Acts two forty two, that was these were small home bodies. You know, this right. is where they they right. continually broke bread, teaching, and that was was in a home. That was yeah. the quote local church or local kind of body. But then they also you know became larger. When the groups of those got together, and that's when he said, "Let's appoint elders." So I think that was kind of where uh, things things got to a leadership is when it broke away from the early church, which met in the home, 
to where they're meeting, you know, in larger groups and they needed, they needed leadership. Yeah. In every city. So, um, so we'll get, we'll get into this a little bit too in question seven. Describe what is meant by the term elder or bishop. Does it seem like the churches in Crete needed organization? Well, we touched on that. They needed organization for sure. They, they needed uh, leadership. They needed, uh, uh, elders or, or that, um, uh, in, in every, uh, uh, city there. So I guess looking at the term or elder or bishop. So in, in the New American Standard, bishop is translated as overseer rather than bishop. So are they the same elder and bishop or elder and overseer? Is that the same person or different? <laughs> Silence. Two diff- there are two different words for it, but is it the same person? According to what I studied, they are the same person. Yeah, same person, just different characteristics. Yeah. Uh, the first, you know, is elder and bishop or el- elder and overseer. The first one is presbyterios and the second is episcopos. And, uh, they're, they're not two separate offices, but applied to the same person. So if we look in, uh, Titus 1, 5, and 7, and then Acts 20, 17, and 18, you can show the two words are used interchangeably. We'll see. In uh, Titus 1, 5 through 7, it says, For for this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains, and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward. So there are two different words that were used in in Titus, uh, the... uh, um, presbyterios and episcopos. So they're two different ones. And so the, the, um, elder or the, uh, uh, presbyterios is about talking about elder or age, maturity, that you don't want to have somebody who is very young in this position. They want somebody who is, has a maturity, who has, uh, uh, age, I guess. And then the other one is the episcopos, which is the overseer or the bishop, and that emphasizes uh, supervision or authority. So an elder should be somebody who is not young, and, and again, when you look at the qualifications of it in Timothy, it'll say don't lay hands on anyone uh, too early, somebody who is very young. You want somebody who has maturity when you when you get to an elder, elder and the actual term elder, um, and then you want somebody who uh, has the leadership or the, uh, the authority, this, uh, the ability to teach. Those are more on the on the overseer or the bishop side of things. So, uh, I, Alex Stroud, I had in his book Eldership, it, he has the quote: "While the New Testament speaks of appointment to specific tasks or positions, the original Greek words pao." All those Greek words do not express or imply a modern organization right or special ceremony. 
fact, as difficult as it may be to accept, there is simply no way to use the word ordination without inferring ideas that are contrary to the New Testament teaching and language. So again, this uh, position of elder or overseer, it, it was not an ordina- ordination where you go, th- you, you go and you get ordained by a central authority. You don't, you know, Titus didn't come around and ordain these people. He recognized them and appointed them, but it wasn't an ordination. Um, so again, it's kind of an interesting fact too that when we see a lot of bishops and the, you know, Baptist, Catholic, all that, they're ordained. And you don't see that in scripture. They had to be qualified. They had to be elder. They had to have uh, certain characteristics, which we went through, all those different things. And then it was, you know, for the local church now and what we talked about, it's a calling, not an organization. And the body recognizes it, not not a group, not a uh, 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 central authority that says we're going to have Mike be the elder at, at Holly Hills. Basically, he has a calling, he has a heart for the, for the body, and then the body recognizes him as an elder. That's how, that's how the, the local church is set up. And we talked about that a little bit. If you, if you, if you, if you want the position and, and you just want it for the authority, you'll never survive as an elder, nor will you be a good elder. You have to have those characteristics and you have to have just a heart for the, Uh, those qualifications that Timothy and Titus lay out, and then you'll be a good elder, and and the body will flourish under those uh, an elder who has those characteristics. So, um, again, kind of thought. Any other thoughts on that? I got one quick one on on question eight, which is, what do the word in every city tell us about the church organization and and authority? We've kind of touched on that. Uh, Conabear says, we do not know how many churches there were on Crete, but Homer, who lived in the 9th century BC, referred to the island of Crete as Crete of a hundred cities. It's heavily populated, neither do we know exact first took root in Crete, though at least one church existed there before Paul and Titus visited, which is kind of interesting. And then from Towner, it is impossible to determine how many elders would have been selected in every town, meaning in a house church at each town. But the general rule would have probably have been a plurality of leaders. Again, not a question. As we talked about, it's never singular about being an elder who leads. It's elders who lead the local body. So, again, the plurality aspect, again, in the uh, in the brethren church, that's very important. There's never a brethren church who had a single elder or a single pastor who led. It was plurality, and there's such a benefit in and balance is is made. Weaknesses are are uh, overcome by the strength of the others in the group, and so plurality and uh, again, not just a single elder in a church. So, okay, there are no questions, Mike. You can uh, take over. Do I need to stand up there so you can see me? No, I, I'm good. I think everybody should be good. Okay. Everybody hear you well, too. You hear me okay? Yep. Okay. So, 
Um, the next section, verses 6 through 9, are really what the beginning of understanding what the qualification of elders are. So somebody read 6, 7, 8, and 9. And when we're done, those who don't qualify can turn off their computers. <laughs> Six, seven, eight, and nine. Somebody read it. Here. Sure. Namely, <clears throat> name, <clears throat> excuse me. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will not be able to will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict him. So when I read that, I thought, I looked around the room and I said, nobody qualifies. <laughs> who, who possibly fits that parameter? So there are, there are, it's interesting. There are 17 qualifications for an elder or bishop or First Timothy uh, 3, uh, First Timothy 3 contains 15 or 17 here. And they're very similar. In some cases, they're identical. Um, the office, as we've just talked about, of bishop is one of authority and power. The vices named are those to which persons of such position are tempted. Isn't that interesting? They're tempted to that. So... Let's revisit uh, question two is the position, what position did Titus and Timothy have in order to select elders in every church? This is really interesting because you don't have a centralized authority like Courtney has been talking about, but you have these two guys, Timothy and Titus, and they have the authority to go around to churches, especially in Crete, and appoint, uh, appoint elders, uh, in the churches. So they were not apostles and they were not necessarily, at least at this point in time, elders in another church. So what, where do they fit? Uh, one of the guys that I read said that they, there's a position somewhere between apostle and elder. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means. Um, they were below Paul because they uh, carried out his instructions. He gave them instructions and things to do, but they weren't apostles in the strict sense of the word. Um, uh, and they were over elders in that they appointed them. So you say that they were stewards uh, recognized by Paul yeah, yeah, stewards recognized by Paul. Yeah, I think that's they certainly were that. And they um, had authority to do this. So, um, Mike, didn't we use the term ap apostolic agent, Joanne? I think you came, you mentioned that a couple of weeks yeah. ago, maybe. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just this idea of being able to act on behalf of Paul in his absence to do these things creates that <clears throat> intermediary that we're having a hard time maybe naming, but I did like the apostolic agent. Um, yeah. Which is fine. The only problem I have, it's not a problem, but I can see how big denominations would build a clergy based on, mm-hmm. on this information. <laughs> you know, like who decides, uh, my background's Catholicism. Who decides who's going to be a priest? Well, they go to, they go to seminary and they go through and if they make it to the end, then they give them the whatever. And then who appoints them in the next level, the next level, the next level, the next level, and then they get to go to Rome and be the guy with the fishy hat, the Pope. Right? <laughs> who does, who decides about that? You know? Well, I guess so, the question we could ask ourselves is, <clears throat> is that role still functioning today at all? Um, yeah. and, and I want to get back a little bit on that one too, Mike, when you said about church plant, you know, not about church planting. I think, I think that's how a new body or a new um, group would either function or start up or, or, uh, I don't know how to say it. I mean, it, it's kind of like Miles. If Miles shows up and, and, you know, gets into this body and, and functions, um, that's one way. Another is that, you know, I know like in Littleton had several of that, they were growing so much and just the issue that you, we talked about earlier, they had grown so much that they had so many services and all that that they said, okay, we're going to take some of the elders and we're going to move over here and we're going to start a new local assembly over here with these elders who are qualified and we're going to split off and, and grow over here. And I, and I think that's kind of how I think the lo- local church maybe functions now autonomously, but you need to have men who are qualified to start that. So if, unless you're going to already establish church, you got to have maybe do a church plant in some area and grow believers in, in that area. So. Yeah. And I think that really clarifies what uh, Titus and Timothy were doing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, establishing a, a church in every town would kind of be okay because there were so many little towns in Crete. And so, and that's what Paul was doing. He was going from town to town and establishing a church like we're studying on Wednesday night, first Thessalonians. He, he went to Thessalonica and he left after four weeks because they ran him out of town, but a church had been established in four weeks which meant the elders were in place, uh, people were uh, attending, there was a, a, a leadership uh, uh, leadership kind of uh, organization there. And I th- I really think that the, the, the real answer to this question is, who runs the local church? Who runs Holly Hills? Who really is the guy who runs it? No, it's not. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit just raises up men to fill these positions, but he's the one that runs the body. And you have to recognize that because 
if you're in a body of believers, you will see him raise somebody up. And you, you won't have to, you know, have an election to see who's going to be the elder. They'll be acting as an elder before they're appointed one. You see that? They'll have some of these qualifications. Now, the other thing I want to point out, too, is that these qualifications for an elder are not super Christian. Elders are not people that have uh, passed the test with 17 qualifications and they're superior to everybody else in the church. That's not what this is saying. Because an elder has exactly the same sinful temptations that anybody has. When you get to be an elder, you don't get rid of your sin nature. You You don't, see, Donna just looked at me like, you don't? (laughs) So, so, um, anyway, I think I probably ought to stop there and we'll, we'll pick up, uh, question two and three. We're in there right next week. So let's close. Dear Father, how we thank you for your grace. Thank you for this body of believers that you've raised up and that uh, we all, uh, because of what you've done, we are edified and we grow in the knowledge and grace of our dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen.